Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. Welcome today. It is just so great to have you here worshiping with us. Thank you for uh, showing up today. For those of you that this is your New Year's resolution to come to church more, congratulations. You are on the right track, and I hope that it continues on. Uh, last service, I did say, uh, you know, I haven't seen all of you since last year. Uh, that was my joke. Stephen stole it uh, as he began worship this morning. So we're gonna have, we're going to have some words after this. <laughs> about what he's allowed to say and not say. All right. We are taking a, a break just for a week from the book of Ephesians. In fact, we're going to get into it in a couple of weeks. We'll get back into our study of Ephesians today because it's kind of one of those... Um, tweener services, where it's between Christmas, between the start of the 2023 year, between that that time, I wanted to do a message on change. Uh, how does change happen? How can you be a new you? How can you be that different creation that Pastor Stephen talked about, that Pastor Grant talked about? What is the roadblock that keeps us from change? This is resolution time. All of you have probably something in your life that you look at and say, you know, I would like to see this different. Now, whatever your view is of resolutions, do you make resolutions? Do you not make them? Don't even think of them as resolutions. What are the goals that you have for your life? Or better yet, what are the areas of your life that you are not happy with? Or do you, you feel like this is not under God's control? It's not under his lordship. And you would like to see that be different. Maybe it's just spending time with God every day. Maybe it's being in his word. Maybe it is attending church more. Um, you know, maybe uh, with being in God's word, part of that is also a prayer life, having an active prayer life. Maybe that's one of the things that you want to see change. Maybe it's the way that you think. You struggle with depression or anxiety or self-worth or identity issues, and you want to see that change in your life. And maybe that's one of the things that needs to change. Maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe there are deeper addictions and habits in your life that you want to see changed. Whatever the change is that you're hoping to see, whether it's your life or maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe it's your marriage, you want to see that changed. What are the roadblocks that keeps us from actually fulfilling these things? You know, I don't know what the statistic is, but I would say that the number is extremely high of those who make resolutions and fail to keep them. Uh, I don't know what the percentage percentile would be, but I would guess it's probably in the 90 percentile range of people that make a resolution and fail to keep that resolution. In fact, you may be good for a week or two weeks or maybe even up to a month and it just tapers off from that point. What, what is the problem 
and why can't we seem to change? Well, I want to talk today about this idea of making a fresh start and what it is and what it takes to be able to change as we go forward. And I believe that there's one key ingredient that most of us miss when it comes to making the active changes in our lives that we need to make in order to be who God wants us to be as we move forward. Let's pray and get into this today. Father, this is your time and we want to hear from you. We want to learn from you, grow in your grace. We want to be different as people. Lord, not just because it's a new year, but because you have made us new. We don't want to be the same. We don't want to have the same habits. We don't want to be stuck in the same addictions. We want to have victory And we want to have a breakthrough in our lives in certain areas, whether it is daily time with you, whether it is exercising more, losing weight, breaking a habit of alcoholism or depression, or or maybe it's it's breaking through in some other area. Lord, we we need you to help us be overcomers and to be different. Father, I pray that you would show us through your word what that is going to take and give us the ability to have this key ingredient so that we can be successful as we go forward in life. Lord, give us victories and freedoms in areas that we so desperately need them. We thank you for what you're going to do among us today. Teach us now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is the key ingredient? What is that one thing that is necessary in order to be different from this point forward? Well, that's a question I've, I've looked at, uh, in not only in role as a pastor, but in, in counseling, in trying to work with people and help people. How can you be different? What is it going to take in order to actually be different and accomplish the goals that I have for my life? And I bet, again, all of you have some area of your life that you're not happy with or some area that is not under God's lordship that you want to see different and changed as you go forward. Well, I believe that there's a key ingredient in the Bible that most people are missing in order to accomplish the change that God wants us to accomplish. What is that key ingredient? Well, the key ingredient necessary Necessary for change is what the Bible talks about as self-control. Self-control is that one thing that if we could have that, we would be able to have victory in life. That self-control, we can't manufacture it ourselves. We can't white-knuckle our way through. We have to have God within us, God helping us to be able to have self-control over our thoughts, over our actions, over our feelings, and our behaviors in life. Here are just a small little sampling of what the Bible says about self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Without self-control, there is no protection. So I need self-control. In 1 Timothy 2.9, Paul says, I desire then that in every place that the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Do you know how you have deal with your anger and deal with your quarreling? You have to have self-control over your anger and your quarreling. Do you have self-control over the anger in your life or the quarreling attitude and spirit? He then says, likewise, so in, in the same manner... Also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. So that's another thing. Anger, how do I control anger? Self-control. Women, I want you to have self-control, he says. 
in 1 Timothy 3, in talking about a leader of a church or an overseer or an elder, he says, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, and what? Self-controlled. Respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So self-control is one of those things that people have to have. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Titus 2.6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, to have control over one's self. In 1 Peter 4.7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness. So what is he saying in all of these? If you don't have self-control, you will lead yourself into a world of hurt. Self-control, the lack of it leads to every problem in life. If you're dealing with alcohol, it's because of a problem of self-control. You're dealing with drugs, a problem of self-control. Problem with sleeping around, it's self-control. Problem with pornography, self-control. All of these things are related to what God calls self-control. Now, why is self-control so important? Why does God put this as one of the key ingredients? I want to show you in Galatians chapter 5 why this is the case. Now, what? why is self-control important? Let me tell you this way. Self-control is the gatekeeper or the doorkeeper to your life. That's what self-control is. It is the gatekeeper or the doorkeeper to your life. Let me demonstrate it after I read these verses. In Galatians 5, Paul writes this. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What do we have to have self-control over? The desires of the flesh. That's where we have to exercise self-control. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. That means they're against God. These are not godly things. These are going to cause chaos and problems in a person's life. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Why do I not do the things that I want to do? It's because of self-control. Why do I get myself into problems? Because of self-control over the words you say, the actions you have, the thoughts of your mind, the addictions in your life, the habits that you're dealing with. It's a self-control issue. And then he goes on to say this, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality can include pornography. It can include relationships outside of the marriage relationship, sleeping together outside of the covenant of marriage. That falls under sexual immorality. Impurity. Uncleanness. Sensuality. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are what the Bible talks about as part of the flesh that we have to have self-control over if we want to be who God wants us to be. He goes on to say this, I warn you. 
As I warned you before, that those who do all of the things he just said will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are actively involved in this, rather than surrendering it to the Lord, he warns they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, thankfully, God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy, and he's a God of forgiveness. He will give grace, he will give mercy, and he will forgive. But I cannot actively participate and keep doing these things. They will wreck my relationship with God and others. He goes on to say this, but here's the contrast. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is a spirit-given gift by God to help me be who God wants me to be. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So let me illustrate this. Let me try to uh, show you what this actually means and what this would actually look like. So I want you to picture it this way, that this, these are walls of my life. These are walls around my life, my heart. They're the walls around my heart. Okay, picture it that way. My inner self, what God gives to me when I come to a relationship with him and I enter into a relationship with him, he promises that the fruit of the spirit in my life is that I am going to, on the inside, start experiencing love and joy and peace. That is what comes to my heart. And by the way, that is the three things that everybody's looking for in life. We want to have love. I want to be loved unconditionally. I want to be loved and accepted. Not just by people. It's not even as important among people as it is by the creator God himself. That God himself would say, I love you unconditionally. No matter what, flaws and all, warts and all, I love you. It's a craving of the human heart. We want to be loved unconditionally. We want to have in the depths of our soul, we want to have joy. I, I want to have joy. I don't want to have depression. I don't want to have anxiety. I want joy. I want deep down abiding joy, happiness, no matter what's happening around me. And I want peace. I don't want to feel chaos and anxiety and confusion in my heart. I want, I want peace. And I would guess that every one of you, if you could really kind of narrow it down, get it, dive it down to the, the core of your being, that's what you would want too. More than, you know, the idea of I just want to be rich and I want to be, just have all the luxuries. That's not really what people are after. You can do studies and see and talk to and interview people who have been incredibly wealthy and they're still just miserable and unhappy. Because joy, love, and peace come from God. Now, it's in the core of my heart. It's inside of me, protected by these walls. But not just that, there's also these other attitudes in my heart. There are things like, I don't want to write all these down, but there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's faithfulness, and there was gentleness. All of these things. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now, what is that about? 
That's about my ability to then relate to and reach out to other people. That I can be patient with people, I can be kind, I can be good, I can be gentle, and I can be faithful in my relationship with others. And then there was one final component, and that final component was this one. It was the door. It was the gatekeeper. And what was that final component? That was self-control. So self-control is standing guard at the gate. If I want to, in my heart, experience everything God wants me to experience in myself, in my marriage, in my family, I have to have love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness in the core of me, and the self-control stands at the gate. So picture it like this. That's a castle around my heart. All the walls are built, and there's a gate, a drawbridge. And the drawbridge determines what comes in and out of my life. And that's what self-control is. It is the drawbridge. It's the gatekeeper. Satan comes to the drawbridge and he knocks and he feeds me a set of lies. For example, you will only be loved if... You have these other relationships with women. You have these other relationships with men. That's the only way you can possibly feel love and feel acceptance. You will only matter if you make a certain amount of money. You'll only matter if you have a certain job. You're awful. You're depressed. So you're only going to be happy if you pick up the bottle and drown yourself in the bottle. That's what's going to take all your problems away. And so he comes to the door. He feeds you lies. And what does my self-control do at the door? It just drops the drawbridge and says come on in and when I let it in you know what it eats at it eats away at my patience and my kindness and my goodness and my faithfulness and my gentleness and it destroys those so what does it do it destroys my relationships that I have because I'm not patient and kind and loving and gentle to my wife or to my kids because of this thing I've let into my life And then it destroys me, it destroys my love and my joy and my peace, and now I don't feel it at all. I feel unloved, unlovable, I feel joyless and hopeless and depressed, and I have no peace. And it's because I let the drawbridge down and I let the thing into my life that is destroying me from the inside out. Does this at all make sense? This is the way... Satan operates. He gets a foothold in the door. In fact, we're going to get to the point in the book of Ephesians that says in chapter 4, do not give Satan, do not give the devil an opportunity. The word opportunity means foothold. And the way that you can relate to it is like this. It's like if if you have ever, uh, even in fun, just been chasing through the house. Your, your siblings do this to each other all the time. So one sibling will, will uh, I don't know, maybe they get a water gun and they start shooting at another sibling. And the one runs away to the bedroom and tries to close the door and lock the door so that the other one can can't get in. You ever done those kind of games, even in fun with family members? And sometimes they're, the, the other sibling is kind of crafty, who, who's the tormentor. The tormentor is kind of crafty, and they'll pretend like they have gone away. They're not there. They're really quiet. And so the person inside the room cracks the door open and opens it and peeks out. And just at that moment, the tormentor sticks their foot in the door. And once they stick their foot in the door, you can't close it anymore. And once the door, you got your foot in the door, then they can keep pushing until you 
finally give in and you get into the room and you torment them even more. That, that's what happens. That's what Satan does. If you crack the door, he will get his foot in the door and he will create chaos and he will keep pushing his way in until torment happens. And we've all paid the price of making a decision where we drop the drawbridge and let Satan come on in and we're now suffering. Now, God can cause all things to work together for good. He can work everything out, but we bear the consequences of opening the door and giving Satan a foothold in our life. Where, where does the, where's the downfall? Self-control. The drawbridge operator. Let the drawbridge down. Why did you do that? Once you let it down, the enemy comes in and devastates from the inside out. So, what do I do about this? Well, I'm going to give you today... Five steps to exercising self-control. And so I'd encourage you either to write these down, take a screenshot, you know, take a picture of the screen. And then after I do this, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a 30-day journey challenge that I have available at the music stand where you got the bulletins coming in. I want you to pick up one of these, and I want you to pray about committing to the journey 30-day challenge with me. Five steps to exercising self-control. Number one, what is the first step to make sure that the drawbridge operator is strong enough for the, battle, the battles that are coming this way? Well, number one, renew your mind through God's word. That's the first step. I've got to renew my mind through God's word. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world. So that's not something we're supposed to do. Conformity is don't let the world squeeze you. Don't let the world pressure you. Because the world says something, don't, you don't have to accept it and you don't have to believe it. That's conformity. Conformity means to be squeezed, pressured from the, in, from the outside in. Instead, be transformed which is, by the way, being made new. How? By the renewal of your mind. Let God renew your mind. Let him renew your thinking. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do I, what is the first step? I've got to be connected to God. If I really want to change these areas of my life, if I want to change my thought life, if I want to change my actions, my attitude, my behaviors, if I want to accomplish resolutions and goals, I have to have God helping me. I cannot white knuckle my way through this. I can't uh, fix the problem myself. I can't fix myself. I can't fix my marriage. I can't fix the situation. I need God. He's got to renew my mind. Daily, I need to be in his word. That's where renewal comes from. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God will renew it as you're in his word. So make a commitment that every day you will have time alone with the Lord. You'll seek him. You'll know him. You'll be in his word through some, some set of devotionals. In fact, we have one that we use often at the church. It's a little magazine. It's, it comes out two months at a time called Closer Walk. They have them at the information booth. They have them on the back wall. We have them at the reception area. This is a great one to use. 
This is a way to be in God's word every day. You don't have to use this. There are other devotionals that you can use or just reading the word of God that will help you be in his word so that your mind can be renewed. You want to overcome the problem? You want to overcome the addiction? You want to overcome maybe the alcoholism, the pornography? First step, I've got to be in God's word every day. That's the first step. Step number two, I need to pray for the Holy Spirit's help. Again, I don't have the power to do this on my own. I need the word of God in me, and I need the power of the Spirit of God working through me. In Ephesians 1, verses we've already covered in our Ephesians studies, but it just says this, I I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. What he's referring to is the Holy Spirit. He will give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation and the knowledge of him, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So what is he saying? That the Holy Spirit will give you the power you need in life to overcome the issues that you're facing in life. It's not by you. It's not by my strength. It's by the Lord and his strength. So I need to be in the word of God praying that the spirit of God helps me accomplish what I hope to accomplish and have victory over what I need to have victory over. Number three, Find someone else in your life. Confess your habits and sins to God and others. Now, you don't have to confess to everyone, but there needs to be one or two people in your life that are safe and trustworthy, that will not break your confidence, that you can be very open and vulnerable and honest with. And you could say to them, this is the area that I'm struggling in. This is the area I need help with. I need you to pray for me, and I need you to keep me accountable so that I can actually get free of this and have victory over this. In 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light... That means that's how we want to walk, is in the light. That's really a reference to walking in God's grace, God's light. If we will walk in the light as he is in the light, we're going to have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How do I get clean? How do I get free from this? How do I be different? Well, how do I strengthen that drawbridge operator of my life? Be in God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and give you his power and have somebody else or a few others in your life that you can lean on that will hold you accountable. Step number four, identify and remove your triggers. What are the triggers in your life? Well, the triggers in your life may be uh, if you're trying to lose weight, coming to church and having the hospitality team set up a bunch of donuts out there that you have to walk by multiple times while you're at church. That could be the thing. What are the triggers of your life? What are the times in your life that you're most susceptible, that the drawbridge operator is the most susceptible to the temptations that Satan is bringing? Then I need to remove those. It could be people in your life that you have to say, you know what? I love you, but I can't have a relationship with you or I can't be around you because it is too damaging to me. I need to maybe someday down the road, I can hang out with you again, but I can't now because every time I do, I'm getting drunk or every time I am around you, I'm, I'm committing sexual immorality 
where every time you're in a certain situation, I'm, I'm prone to do something I don't want to do. So what are your triggers? What are the things that are setting you off and pushing you down the cliff? What are the things that are causing the drawbridge operator just to lower the gate and let everything in? And it wrecks me from the inside. What are the triggers? In Ephesians 4, it says, put off your old self. That's the old junk, the old triggers, which belongs to your former manner of life. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, the brand new. As Pastor Stephen talked about in uh, the worship time, we have been made new. Put on the new self. Don't go back after the old. Keep walking in the new. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to be in God's word every day. I need to ask the Holy Spirit to help me overcome, have victory over this area. I need to confess my bad habits and my sin to other people, one or two other people in my life, and to God, and ask him to help me and them to hold me accountable. I have to identify what those triggers are. Finally, step number five, remember the gospel when you fail. And this is not an excuse to keep failing. It is knowing that grace is available if I do fail. Don't put it to the test. Don't put it to the test where I'm just going to keep doing this because I know God will just keep forgiving me. No. Seek to be different. And if you happen to fail, know that God's grace is sufficient. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Then let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a, the time of need. Do you know that God is gracious, that God loves to forgive, and he's willing to forgive. But he also wants us to exercise self-control. There's the balance. The warning, exercise self-control with the grace, I do love you and I do forgive you. It's not the excuse to keep doing what you want to do. It is the knowledge that God loves me and will forgive me no matter what. But he wants me to be better. He wants me to be different. And he wants me to accomplish and have victory over those areas of my life that are beating me down. So how can we make sure that that drawbridge operator is, is, is doing his job? Be in God's word. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work. Have, have people in my life that I can confess and, and, and hold me accountable. Identify the triggers. What, where am I most likely to fall? And then know that God's grace is sufficient and there for me. Now, that brings me to the Journey Church 30-day challenge that I'm going to challenge you to do with me. I've already started this, and I want you to, I'm going to challenge you to make a decision to do this with me. Now, it's up to you whether or not you will do this, but at the back of the room here today, as you leave at the music stand where you got the bulletin, there's a little half sheet that says exactly what you see on the screen. It just says the Journey Church 30-day challenge. Here's what this is about. We want to see God do something miraculous in ourselves, in our families, in our children, in our church, in our community, and in our country. And so what can we do in order to draw near to the Lord through this? How can I have victory in my life? Well, I can do the things that I can control, which are these. It says this, for 2023, I am asking God to give me self-control and a breakthrough in some different dimensions of my life. 
through prayer and fasting, I am seeking the Lord's help to provide victory in the following areas. And I want you to take that sheet of paper and I want you to write down your areas that you need to see God do a breakthrough, that you want to see God do a breakthrough. Maybe you would say, it's, it's, I want to see him do a breakthrough in my daily devotionals. I just want to, I, I, I haven't been consistent in my daily devotions. I'm, I, I'm, you know, scattered in this at best. Maybe I'm, I spend a, a day with God, maybe a, a morning once a week, maybe every once a month. Maybe church is all I ever get. I, I want to be in God's words every day. So maybe that's one of the things. Or maybe you would say, I have, I, I want to lose weight. That's what I want to do. I want to lose weight and I want to see myself exercising. I want to be better. Or maybe you would say, I want to break this addiction. Maybe your addiction is alcohol. Maybe your addiction is pornography. Maybe your addiction is just sexual immorality as a whole. And you know what? I want to break these things. You're saying, I, I, this, yeah, I want to break this. So I can do what I can do, which is this. Number one, I'm committing to a daily time with the Lord through blank devotionals. So, again, I said we have these closer walk devotionals. You could use those. You could use the daily bread devotional. You could have, maybe you've got something else that you have. Maybe it's one of the Bible app devotionals. But you actually purposely say, this is what I'm going to do. Don't leave it vague. I'm going to do this uh, devotional. One of the things that I do every day is I try to read Psalms and Proverbs depending upon the day of the month. So for today, it's the first. When I got up this morning, I read Psalm 1 and I read Proverbs 1 along with stuff out of the, out of the rest of the Bible as well every day. And maybe that's it. Find what works for you. And I am committing to a daily time with the Lord through prayer. I will spend whatever minutes per day. Maybe you, you're going to say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes per day in devotionals and prayer. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's an hour. You decide for you. I'm going to spend this time, and if I have to wake up early for 30 days, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to miss a day. I'm going to be committed to this, this month, January 2nd through January 31st, in this challenge, I'm going to read these devotionals. I'm going to pray because I am looking for victory and breakthrough in these areas of my life. Number two, I'm also going to commit to a weekly time with the Lord through fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is so little talked about, but it is talked about in the Bible so much. Fasting is a chance, not only is it a health benefit to you physically, but it is also a spiritual benefit. And so once a week, one day per week, a 24-hour period, I'm going to commit to a time of fasting. That's only four times in one month. And I'm going to do it each week on this day from this time to this time. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am doing Saturday, Sunday... I know my writing looks terrible. It's because of the screen. But Saturday, Sunday, and, and I'm doing that from 1 p.m. Saturday to 1 p.m. Sunday. Every week. That's what I'm going to do. I already started that. And I've done it in the past, but I'm, I'm starting that. I started that yesterday. And so from 1 p.m. to 1 p.m., Saturday to Sunday, 
I'm not going to, I'm going to fast because it's a spiritual discipline in order to grow near the Lord. You could take it a step further if you wanted to. I wrote it on the wrong line. 1 p.m. to 1 p.m. Okay. Um, You could take it a step further, though, if you wanted to. And that is, I'm committing to a daily time with the Lord through fasting every day. I'm going to spend, and you could say whatever you want. You could say, I will spend 12 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours every day fasting. One day a week, 24 hours, but the rest of the week, this amount of time between this time and this time fasting. And then sign that and then hang it on your refrigerator or give it to your accountability person and say, hold me accountable. This is what I'm going to do for the month of January. Why are we doing this? Why am I challenging you to do this? Because we want to see God perform victory and breakthrough in these areas of our lives. We want to be different. We don't want to be the same that we've always been. For you, your family, your marriage, your kids, for your job satisfaction, for our community, for our church, and for what God can possibly do out of this church. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you're going to say, you know what? I really feel like I have victory over these areas. I'm not dealing with any of these things, but I know someone who is, and I am going to pray and be in God's word and fast for them. Maybe you know a friend who they're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you have a child who's gone wayward and they're not following the Lord. I'm going to pray and fast for my child for this month And maybe even beyond, but for sure, this one month, because I am praying, God, do something in their life. Get a hold of their heart. Maybe it's for a friend you know with a marriage that is in trouble. Maybe it's for a person you know that's got a health issue that they're really battling. And you say, you know what? I'm going to do this for them because, God, I want to see you do something miraculous. If you're willing to take that 30-day challenge, would you take that? And if you would even, just send me a note or Let me know that, yeah, I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to do this 30-day challenge for God to do something. I want to do this on behalf of the people of the church, on behalf of our people who are hurting and struggling, for them to find victory and breakthrough in their lives. Above all else, in order to make a fresh start, we've got to start establishing self-control. And where does self-control come from? Being in God's word. Asking the Father to help us through the power of his Holy Spirit, praying, having people in my life that can hold me accountable and will hold me according to the standards of God's word, understanding what my triggers are and where my weaknesses are, and then understanding that God is a God of grace. I hope that you want to be different. I hope that you're willing to make the changes that are necessary, and I hope that you're going to be willing to take this journey 30-day challenge. And I'm excited to see at the end of these 30 days what God does and hear the stories of how God operates as we surrender all to him. Would you pray with me as we close, and then we are going to dismiss. Father, We need to be different. We want to be different. Lord, we don't want to be the same that we've always been. There are areas in all of our lives. Maybe it's a small little habit. Maybe it's a large major addiction. Maybe it's a crisis. Maybe it's the way that they think or we think. Maybe it's our lack of involvement with you 
And we just need to be more committed. Lord, whatever the area is, I pray that you'd be putting that on our hearts and that we would understand what change you want to see happen in our lives. Father, as we leave this place, encourage us. Give us the love, joy, and peace that you desire deep down in the core of our beings. And help us to establish walls around that so that we continue to experience that as we go forward. Give us victory and breakthrough in whatever area that we need. Be with us now as we leave. Encourage us and help us. We thank you and we look forward to what you're going to do over these next 30 days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.